Hello, listeners. If you are enjoying this podcast without commercial interruption and are financially able, please consider supporting our effort. To contribute, go to the homepage, spacerockethistory.com, and click on the orange Donate button or the Patreon link. Thanks. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Godspeed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Can I feel out? Okay, I'm out. How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder? At last, huh? When that baby lights, there's no doubt about it. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man. Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis and you're listening to episode number 360 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 16, Lunar Landing. After NASA gave the clearance to land, John and Charlie were all smiles. It was such a relief. Capcom proceeded to give the crew a quick summary of the problem. Apparently, the command module had experienced an open circuit in the thrust vector control loop on their backup system. Exhaustive tests at the various contractor facilities on the East Coast and West Coast had found that even though Ken Mattingly would get some oscillation, it would be controllable. So even if the primary system failed and they had to revert to the backup control mode, everything should be okay. But due to the change in their flight plan caused by the six-hour delay, the crew had to reprogram a great deal of their onboard data and this had to be done before they had loss of signal. Power descent, initiation, or PDI, and an attempt at lunar landing would begin on the next revolution, Rev 16, shortly after obtaining acquisition of signal. The astronauts began to quickly copy all the information necessary for their descent. Immediately upon acquisition of signal, Capcom gave them their final updates to load to the computer for PDI. John and Charlie reconnected their restraint harnesses, which would hold them in place as they descended to the moon. During the first eight minutes of the descent, they would fly with their backs parallel to the lunar surface and with their windows facing away from the moon. At 104 hours, 13 minutes, Capcom gave the go for PDI. Ryan, your go for PDI. Ryan, your go for PDI. Okay, throw for final trim. Go. Just out of that dip. Go ahead, enter. Right before the power descent began, the computer displayed the desired attitude for the burn. 
By pressing the Pro key on the disk key, the crew accepted the attitude and allowed the computer to perform any necessary adjustments. Usually, the crew had already maneuvered the lunar module to exactly the desired attitude, so there was little need for the computer to trim it. So, watch it set and wound. Ejects about a second off here. The watch Duke was referring to was the Omega Speedmaster that they wore. It had a stopwatch on it, and every time they had a major burn event, Charlie would use the stopwatch as a backup to the event timer. Okay, set, stand about for two minutes, John. Okay. Starting at about 10 miles, it looks like. Excellent. Okay, two minutes, master arm on. The master arm switch provided power that would open the engine fuel valves. The two lights that had just come on, one for altitude and one for velocity, indicated that the radar was not yet receiving usable returns from the lunar surface. The 367, you heard, refers to the Abort Guidance System, also known as AGS, memory address that shows the lunar module's altitude rate. Hey, Jim, you want us to turn the ranging uh, back on? Negative. Okay. We're in voice back up. Right here. At this point, because the lunar module is in zero gravity, the helium and propellants in the tanks are mixed, and just prior to PDI, the computer will fire the RCS thrusters against the direction of motion. This acceleration will move the fuel to the engineward part of the tank and the helium in the other direction, thereby ensuring that when the valves open, it will be propellant and not the inert helium that flows into the combustion chamber. This is called ullage. John Young will perform a manual ullage burn in the event that the computer doesn't. The x-axis that was mentioned is the thrust axis, and plus x is the up direction. Roger, we're copying. Uh -huh.
computer-controlled ullage occurred and powered descent automatically initiated at 66,000 feet above the moon and at 16,000 feet south of their original ground track. For the first 26 seconds of the burn, the engine would run at 10% thrust. One of the reasons for the 10% thrust at the beginning of the powered descent was to allow the gimbal actuators to point the engine through the lunar module's center of gravity. Once the initial gimbling was done, the engine would throttle up to 93%. John is counting up to throttle up to 93% thrust. This will occur at 26 seconds into the burn. Hey, Jim, uh, it's pitch over. Do you want me to go aft on me or stay forward? Stay forward, and you've got to go at one. Roger. Hey, we're way high, John. we got to get down. Charlie and John could feel the G-force build up under their feet, causing them to be planted more firmly against the floor of the lunar module. They also could feel a high-frequency vibration as the engine shook the entire vehicle. Although they were relieved the engine started on time, they were also very tense and very attentive to the spacecraft's systems and trajectory. The next few minutes were going to either result in a landing or an abort. Their typical descent rate, or H-dot, should be around 116 feet per second, and John is now saying that their descent rate has built up to 45 feet per second. The descent rate is about twice the planned rate at this point in the descent as the computer moves them down to the planned trajectory. Jim's call of 169 referred to a change in the first register of noun 69, which is the east-west component of a landing site correction. Charlie will now enter plus 00800 into the computer to move their target point 800 feet downrange or west. Get it. Oh, right. Agent Pink's are tracking right on, Jim. 
Within a tenth of a photosecond. They just passed two minutes into the landing procedure. Charlie is saying that they will have to change the spacecraft yaw at three minutes. Later, Charlie compares the AGS with the PING's primary guidance navigation system, and they match almost perfectly. Pressures are holding good in the depth. All oxidized pressure looks good. Ryan, you're going three. Three. Roger, going three. 135 miles downrange. And there's still 37 volts, uh, Jim. Roger, we copy. Boxy lights out, Charlie. Hey. Okay. Long transmitter, probably. We got him. The EDs Charlie mentioned are the batteries that would provide power to the small explosive charges that would separate the two lunar module stages in the event of an abort, and they were good at 37 volts. Now, they are beginning to get radar returns from the surface much earlier than they had expected. They are now at 3 minutes 20 seconds into the burn at an altitude of 57,000 feet. Ryan, you're going for it. 50,000. Look at that. Altitude and velocity lights are out at 50K. Isn't that amazing? Copy that, Houston? We copy. Look at that data, Houston. 90 miles to go. You want to accept it. Okay, you have a go to accept. Horizontal velocity, 3,200 feet per second. Stay in. Roger. Descending at 112 feet per second. Now, four minutes into the burn, the landing radar was getting good returns from the lunar surface. Charlie knew this because the altitude and velocity lights went out. When the lights go out, it means that the radar signal strength is reliable and then the radar data can be accepted into the computer. Charlie was shocked from the unexpectedly good performance of the landing radar at 50,000 feet. It was only designed to provide good altitude data below 25,000 feet and velocity data below 18,000 feet. In previous missions, it had locked on at about 40,000 feet. Things will be getting off a little bit now. Update. In five minutes. Coming in like gangbusters. Ryan, you're going five. Roger. 39,000. Hey, look at that. 100, 136 feet difference now. Radar. X is tracking about a thousand high. Back. You get there. 
During the first eight minutes or so of the descent, Orion was coming in high on its profile, but the landing radar was beginning to update its altitude and rate of descent, and with each passing cycle of the computer, it was getting closer and closer to the pre-flight trajectory. At five minutes, they were now coming in like gangbusters. Duke noted that the ags and pings were starting to differ. This is because the pings used data from both the lunar module inertial platform and the radar to update its knowledge of the spacecraft location and velocities, while the ags used only data from a set of strap-on gyros. Six minutes, we should be at 32,000. And uh, I can back on profile, but almost. Ryan, you go there. 45%. I know. I do. I know. 39 miles to go. Passing through 33,000 feet. Yeah, 6.30 should be at... Uh, 30,000. 30, okay, looking good, John. What angle's getting down there? Auto Engine down right on. Three. Enough. Understand 723. At six minutes into the descent, Duke mentioned 45%. He was referring to the fuel remaining. Upon the commander's main panel beside the timers were two small digital electroluminescent displays that showed fuel and oxidizer percent remaining. The crew could monitor either set of tanks by pushing the quantity monitor switch to descent 1 or descent 2, depending upon which was more conservative. The lunar module pilot would just look over and call out the lowest number. Here, Charlie is also comparing the readout with a chart of expected values. Charlie also mentions that they were gathering shadow. This meant that he was able to see some of the lunar surface north of their ground track. Coming up at 7 minutes 23 seconds, the engine will throttle down to 55%. And you seven seven minutes into the burn. The 223 entry that was mentioned was simply a manual altitude update to the AGS. In this case, Charlie recognized that a significant update was necessary. He keyed in an update telling the AGS that it was at 14,000 feet, but he did not press the enter key. 
which is necessary to send the command to the computer. He would press the enter key as Orion passed through 14,000 feet. Also, throttle down occurred right on time. Coming up on eight minutes. Orion, you're going eight. eight. I can see the landing site from here, Charlie. Amazing. Going eight. Going eight. John's got a visual. We copy. 130, we're right on, John. Right, right back on profile. How does it look to you? You're right in there. Okay, stand about to update the eggs. Got a little roll staring here. Monitor descent one. Monitor descent one. Hey Jim, we got about the three degree roll command in. Right here. Okay, enter. Three six zero minus zero one seven two. Zero enter. Three six seven is coming up, and I'm starting the clock. I mean the uh, camera. At eight minutes, John was able to lean forward and look out his window to spot the landing site. Up to this point, they had been looking out into space and had no idea where they were in relation to their lunar landing spot. They were depending on their instruments to tell them the altitude and velocity across the surface of the moon and had to take it on faith that the instruments were accurate and the tracking from mission control was correct. And now, even better, they were on track again with their landing profile. And at the end, you heard Charlie entering the 14,000-foot data into the AGS. Next comes the pitchover. Go at 9. Hey, we're out of 12,000, John. Go at 9, coming down at 182, a little steep. At nine minutes, the spacecraft was slowly tilting toward the upright position. At pitchover, the lunar module entered the final descent phase. There was a large change in the spacecraft orientation and the crew got their first clear view of the landing site. Charlie excitedly pointed out the landmarks, relieved that there weren't too many big rocks. Since the crew recognized the major craters and landmarks they studied from their geology training, they knew that the tracking and the guidance were almost right on target. The spacecraft had automatically brought them down within range of their landing spot. The long dark shadows gave the moon an eerie appearance. The shadows would be helpful in selecting the final landing site as they gave a feel for the angle of the surface. Now they had to pick a spot that was less than 14 degrees slope. Anything greater than that could result in the lunar module tipping over at touchdown. Lastly, you heard Mission Control giving the go for landing. At this point, John Young took over the controls. 4,000 feet. Four, 
Four, go for landing. 42 LPD. 42. Okay, 3,900 feet. Okay, two to the south, Charlie. Okay. It's in. Okay, 42, 41 LPD, 30,000 feet on profile. Okay, there's, uh, we're going right down. Uh, it's going to be a little past, uh, okay, four, 41 LPD. Okay. Or 2,000 feet, 60 on profile. Okay. Okay, 42 LPD. Couple of more in. 1,400 feet, 44. Down, looking good. Yeah, out of 1,000 feet, right on profile. 54 LPD, dropping out the bottom now. 800 feet, 30 down. The LPD mentioned is the landing point designator. The commander can look through a set of scribe marks on his window and the LPD angle, which the lunar module pilot gives him from the pings, will tell him where to look along the vertical scale to find the place where the computer thinks they are going to land. If the commander doesn't like that spot, he can move his hand controller to tell the computer that he wants to change the landing spot up or back or to either side. A single movement of the hand controller, which moves the landing point by half a degree or so, is usually referred to as a click. You heard John move the landing site target via the hand controller two clicks to the south. He would eventually make a total of 10 clicks that had the effect of moving the landing site uprange 620 feet east and 635 feet south. Notice as Charlie called out the LPDs, it ranged from 41 through 54 indicating a shorter, steeper descent. Okay, hey Houston, we're going to be just a little long, but uh, we're just now beam uh, double spot. Copy. Hey. 23, 22 down at 500 feet. Okay. The big blocks over here to the left, guys. Hey, 300 feet, 15 down. Okay. Okay. Take over, Charlie. Okay. Okay, fuel is good, 10%. That comes a shadow. Okay, 200 feet, 11 down. Give me a couple of clicks up. You heard John's garbled voice saying, I'm going to take over Charlie. This meant he no longer needed the LPD angles from Charlie. Now he needed altitude, vertical velocity, and horizontal velocity. At this point, Young was tempted to allow the pings to do the maneuvering by itself, but he spotted a 15-meter crater right where they were going to land, so that wouldn't work. At the end, you heard Duke request John to give him a couple clicks up. Charlie had noticed that they were descending too fast. The profile called for 5 feet per second, and they were at 11 feet per second. Okay, 80 feet, 
down at three. Looking super. There's Dust. Okay, down at three. 50 feet. Down at four. Give me one quick up. You're backing up slightly. Okay, two down. Stand by for contact. Come on, let her down. You leveled off. Let her on down. Okay, 76%. Plenty fast. At 80 feet, the engine exhaust hit the lunar surface and began creating a small dust storm. The closer they got, the thicker the dust became. When they were around 20 feet off the surface, John stopped the rate of descent and just hovered. Dust was being blasted everywhere. Charlie could see their shadow through the dust and knew they were close. He urged John to let her on down. Duke was growing a little nervous, even though they had about 60 seconds of fuel remaining. Then John began to slowly descend again, about one foot per second. Contact. Stop. At five feet above the lunar surface, the lunar module's landing probes hit the ground. When they did, it closed an electrical circuit that turned on a little blue light inside the spacecraft, which said, Contact. When that came on, Charlie yelled, Contact! Stop! John hit the stop button, cutting the engine, and boom! They dropped the last four feet like a ton of bricks. They didn't want to land with the engine running in case they happened to come down over a boulder, which could plug up the exhaust nozzle and cause the engine to blow up. Wow, man! Look at that! Charlie shouted. Well... We don't have to walk far to pick up rocks, Houston, John said. We're among them. Okay, that was the highly annotated version of the landing of Apollo 16. Now, I would like to present the uninterrupted version, beginning at engine start. Okay, engine start, engine start. Man override is on. Thank you, throttling men. Roger, we copy. Uh-huh. Decent engine command override. Master arm off. Master arm is coming off. Stand by for throttle up. Thrust to weight is okay. 2, 23, 24, 25, 26. Throttle up. On time. Feel that beauty? Come on. Roger, we copy. Okay, thrust to weight is good. 66,000 feet. They were right on. Looking at a minute. Hey, Jim, uh, pitch over. Do you want me to go aft on me or stay forward? Stay forward, and you've got to go at one. Roger. Hey, we're way high, John. we got to get down. Way high on the H dot. Put it. Put it, Down to 45 already. This will look good. That's in 130. Hey, Ryan, I have a 169. Double H dot, almost. Yep. Go 
plus zero zero eight zero zero. Hundred feet, isn't it? And you have a go for Excuse me, John. Okay, that's entered. That's entered. That's and you're two going minutes. to some 180 miles to go to the landing site. Y'all out here at three. Might take that out when we get it. Oh, right. Eggs and pinks are tracking right on, Jim. Okay. Within a tenth of a foot a second. At three minutes, propellants. Pressures are holding good in the hips. Velocity pressure looks good. Ryan, you're going three. Three. Roger, go at three. 135 miles downrange. And there's still 37 volts, uh, Jim. Roger, we copy. Austin, lights out, Charlie. Okay. Home transmitter, probably. We got a... Locked on him. Thousand him. Way. Cutting out, Charlie. I'd say there's no way to, to get the altitude light at this high. Ryan, you're going for it. 50,000. Look at that. Altitude and velocity lights are out at 50K. Isn't that amazing? Copy that, Houston? We copy. Look at that data, Houston. 90 miles to go. You want to accept it? Okay, you have a go to accept. Horizontal velocity, 3,200 feet per second. Hey, it's in. Roger. Descending at 112 feet per second. Eggs and things will be getting off a little bit now, too, now. Update. At five minutes. Coming in like gangbusters. Ryan, you go at five. Roger. 39,000. Hey, look at that 100, 136 feet difference now. 8,000 feet. Radar. Ags is tracking about 1,000 high. Match. You get there. Six minutes, we should be at 32,000. And down. Uh, Quite feet back on profile, but almost. Ryan, you're going Five six. Minutes. 45%. Right on. Right on. Right on. 39 miles to go. Passing through 33,000 feet. Yeah, 6.30 should be at uh, 30,000. Market, 32,000. Okay, looking good, John. Angle's getting down there. Bottle down seven, seven, right on. Understand seven twenty three. Roger. And seven minutes. Seven. Mark it. Seven minutes. Right to go. Hundred and four down. Twenty eight thousand. Still about a thousand high. It looks like. Oh, it's starting to look pretty good. Yeah. Two two three. Setting up ready, the ag's ready at 14K. 
Then I go a 360 and then turn the camera on. Breaker is in. Throttle down. One time. Same one. 16 miles to go. Jim. Loud and clear. Okay. You were clipping a little bit, John. Okay. 21,000. Coming up on eight minutes. Ryan, you go at eight. I can see the landing site from here, Charlie. Amazing. Okay. Go at eight. John's got a visual. We copy. 130. We're right on, John. Right, right back on profile. How does it look to you? You're right in there. Okay, standing by to update the eggs. Got a little roll staring here. Monitor descent one. Roger, descent one. Hey, Jim, we got about the three-degree roll command in. Roger. Okay, enter. Three, six, zero, minus zero, one, seven, two. Zero, enter. Three, six, seven is coming up, and I'm starting the clock. I mean the uh, camera. Go at nine. Hey, we're out of 12,000, John. Short nine, coming down at 182, a little steep. Okay, well, we're going to be right on, or just about right on, maybe 10 feet. 10,000 feet. Stand by. Be 64 at 8,200. Pro, pitch over. Pitch over. Huh? And here it is, Gator, Lone Star. Ryan, you go okay, for landing. Okay, uh, 4,000 feet. Four, you four, go for landing. 42 LPD. 3,900 feet. Okay, two to the south, Charlie. Okay. It's in. Okay, 42, 41 LPD, 3,000 feet on profile. Okay, there's, uh, we're coming right down. Uh, going to be a little past. Uh, okay, four, 41 LPD. Okay. 
perfect place over here, John. A couple of big boulders. Not too bad. Okay, 80 feet. Down at three. Looking super. There's dust. Okay, down at three. 50 feet. Down at four. Give me one click up. You're backing up slightly. Okay, two down. Stand by for contact. I'm going to let her down. You level off. Let her on down. Okay, 76%. Plenty fat. Contact. Stop. Salutations from the foothills of North Carolina. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I wanted to say thanks for listening to episode number 360 of the Space Rocket History Podcast entitled Apollo 16 Lunar Landing. Sorry if you're hearing some background noise here. My neighbor has his bulldozer out. (laughs) And he's knocking down some trees. So you may hear a little noise. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to bring it to you. Our next episode is scheduled to be released on April 1st. If you're looking for old episodes of the podcast, the first 187 are available on the Archive Podcast. Search for Space Rocket History Archive. It should be available on most podcatchers. Okay, had some afterthoughts on this episode. I want to apologize for running a little long. I'll try to get through this as quickly as I can. What an exciting landing. I guess the launches and the landings are my favorite parts of these Apollo moon missions. But of course, I like just about everything else too. The moonwalks especially. I guess the only thing I don't really like is waste management. I tried to find some things I don't always mention on the annotated version of the landing, and I hope you enjoyed that. But the landings are pretty similar, except for the surprises. I really enjoy the moment of truth when the lunar module pitches over and they get a chance to see the landing site. Up until then, they're taking a lot on faith until that pitch over, because they're on their back looking at space until then. Charlie and John had some great teamwork, and wow, I thought Charlie did a great job. Usually the lunar module pilot is staring at the instruments, but Charlie looked around and helped guide John in. He was looking for those boulders, I'll tell you. He did an excellent job, I thought. I came across some interesting heart rate data while I was researching, and I'll share that with you now. During the initial phases of descent, John's heart rate was only in the low 70s. 
But when he saw the landing site at Pitchover, it went up to 105. But at touchdown, it was back down to 90 beats per minute. For comparison, Neil Armstrong's peak rate was 150, and that was at touchdown. Alan Shepard's peak was 100 at touchdown. Dave Scott's was about 98 at touchdown, and Gene Cernan was 95 at touchdown. And finally, for those interested in the farm project, we are still go for closing on our house on March 25th. We are making an all-out effort right now to get moved out by March 21st because we have to clean up the house and then give the buyers three days to walk through it. So if we leave anything dirty, they can tell us what, <laughs> what it is so we can come back and clean that up. <laughs> it seems like uh, we are working from the time we get up till we go to bed. But the house is mostly empty now. And in my uh, SRH headquarters, even the beautiful posters Marco sent in. And he sent in some great posters, big giant posters of the Apollo and of the Soyuz too. And I appreciate that. And they're off the wall now and it's feeling pretty barren in the old headquarters right now. And with a note of sadness, this is the final episode that we will produce from this house. The next episode will come from our camper, assuming I have good enough Wi-Fi there. If I can find some there, I might have to go looking for some. Okay, let's move on. Over the last fortnight, our contributions had a disturbing downward trend, but we did have four that we are thankful for. I would like to thank Bruce W. from Alabama who donated at the Apollo level, Peter V. from Florida donated at the Apollo level, Terry B. donated at the Mercury level and earned a rocket emoji, and Fred A. pledged on Patreon at the Gemini level. Our Patreon donors have reached 254. Our total donors for 2021 have reached 314 and our goal is to reach 500 by the end of 2021. If you are enjoying this podcast without commercial interruptions, please consider going to the homepage at spacerockethistory.com and clicking on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. Now here's Mrs. SRH with this episode's donor giveaway. Thanks, Mike. Hello, SRH friends. The winner for this episode will get the choice of a Space Rocket History Magnet, or two stickers, or two static clings, or two holographic stickers, or the rare but beautiful SRH Archive Magnet. But wait, there's more! Or you could have a genuine NASA Meatball sticker. With the help of Google's random number generator, I selected Mike Hutchings. Mike Hutchings, if you would email us, mike at spacerockethistory.com, tell us your address, and your SRH prize preference will get this out to you. Sincere thanks to all 314 of you who have contributed thus far in 2021. My sources for this episode were NASA, David Woods, 
Failure is Not an Option by Gene Krantz, Moonwalker by Charlie Duke, Forever Young by John Young, Apollo 16 Flight Journal, Apollo 16 Mission Report, Apollo 16 Timeline, Apollo 16 Surface Journal, The Internet Archive, Flickr, and Wikipedia. And that is all we have for this episode. I'll try to have episode 361 posted by April 1st. Stay healthy, everyone, and so long for now.